That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. It's been a busy few days of Premier League action that shows no signs of slowing down anytime soon. As we look ahead this weekend to an enticing North London derby, a West London derby, and the return of the Merseyside derby after this season's crazy finish at Anfield. I'm Alex here with Javier. Uh, we've got plenty of midweek games to uh, to uh, discuss in passing as we look ahead to this weekend's games. Uh, there are some huge results. Uh, Chelsea managed to get a big bounce back result after their six nil drubbing to Manchester City last last time out in the Premier League as they beat uh, Tottenham two nil at Stamford Bridge. Uh, we'll probably mention that in a, a combination. Tottenham, always a great team to bounce back against. Yes, especially at home. You know, it's a big enough game. In a bad run, just. Yeah. Line Tottenham up at home, and, and they'll they'll follow. It's between it. Tottenham at home and Huddersfield at home. You know, we, we beat Huddersfield five 0 but then we beat Tottenham two 0 and it was much more satisfying. Um, Manchester City also managed to keep pace at the top of the table with their one 0 win against West Ham. Uh, Liverpool had their biggest win of the season, uh, goal wise, scoring five at Anfield to beat Watford five uh, 0 for the second season in a row at Anfield. United got one of the more underrated wins of the weekend as uh, they trotted out a injured side and beat Crystal Palace 3-1 at Selhurst Park. And uh, we'll start off right away with our first preview, Arsenal-Tottenham. By mentioning Arsenal beat Bournemouth in midweek, 5-1. Goals for Meza Ozil, Heinrich Mkhitaryan, Lauren Koscielny, Aubameyang, Lacazette. Everyone's getting in on the action. It's it's good time to be Arsenal right now. They're four points uh, within uh, Tottenham in Our third curve place. Is slowly moving upward. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Our you're players trending are coming upwards. back from injury. You know how they're looking up. You guys may have beat Bournemouth five one, a, uh, a an injured and limping Bournemouth team, uh, but you wouldn't you wouldn't be this close to Tottenham if we hadn't beat them. So you need to, you need to thank us and uh, and Burnley because in the last week Tottenham have lost two games in a row. Yeah, uh, I'm not even gonna lie. Home. I actually think we can finish third. Like, good that for thought you, hasn't it had not entered my mind at all this entire year. But today, I was like in the car, and I was like, "Wow, we could maybe finish third place. Like, if we beat Tottenham and then beat United, we're finishing third place. Like, I don't even care." So, this is good. This yeah. this answers the question: Will the delusion of Arsenal fans die with Arsene Wenger? And the answer is no. <laughs> so, never. The, you guys, uh, we live on great. Like the 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 delusion will never die. <laughs> It's uh, it's it's in our blood, and as long as we have Stan, as long as we have Stan Kroenke as our owner, you know we'll always have more higher expectations than what we achieve. But then what's but, realistic? I, but on a more serious note, um, I think this game is going to be really tough. Obviously, Tottenham have lost their last two games, and losing three on the bounce in the Premier League would be disastrous for them. Especially having they had been five points or something, four or five points from, within from the uh, top Man of the City, table, yeah. right? And it, it basically just you know, if they had won both of those games, they'd be like I think three points off the top. So instead, they're out of the title race, and it looks like they're going to get dragged into the Champions League race, which 
I would love because it would open up another spot, which we've it's been basically three teams up till now fighting for one spot. Four teams fighting for two is, you know, it definitely gives you a better chance if you if you can finish third or fourth and get in. Um, so I would love if Tottenham lost here, and that's why I'm going to predict an Arsenal win. I, I feel like I get, this is the one team that the, the boys know how important this is, how important this game is, and um, I think Tottenham have been figured out these last couple of weeks, and they haven't looked good. I don't think that they've... Um, I think Harry Kane's back from injury a little bit too early, and he's playing a lot of minutes already. And I, you know, I don't know how effective he's going to be. It also looks like Son's fallen off the last couple of games. So, yeah, I mean, this might be the game where they trod back and Son and Kane both get goals, and and I eat my words, and they, you know, they score three past us. But, you know, even if that happens, um, I think we still have a chance. Lacazette is on form. He's scored in the last five straight home games. I know this isn't a home game, but. He's on form. Aubameyang scoring goals. Um, Mkhitaryan and Ozil both looked really, really good in the last game. Yeah, but you know, Mkhitaryan had... and Ozil aren't going to play. Maybe Mkhitaryan, but definitely not Ozil. They're both going to. They're both going to get minutes in this game. Yeah. Ozil will probably be on the bench. Mkhitaryan. I don't, I don't, I don't think you bring Mesut Ozil off the bench. You might as well just sort of like give up one of your bench players. Like Unai Emery wants to bring on like more energetic. If you're losing, you probably you can bring him off the bench. No, but I mean, like Unai Emery as a as a coach, he wants to bring more on more like exuberant energetic players to try and get at tired legs that's not what Ozil's going to provide him like yeah he could bring in other players for that but I feel like he's not going to want to waste one of his three substitutions on a player that he's doesn't he doesn't really trust you can tell he doesn't really trust him he's played him in a yeah 5-1 demolition not, of a home game against if Mkhitaryan plays anything like he he has in the last couple of games um then I I do think Tottenham are going to have a problem that's just something we've missed so far this season is is good wing play um, and uh, someone to be able to, to to be more threatening in the attacking third to, to get balls to Lacazette and Aubameyang. So, um, you know, if if he comes on and plays well, um, I'm probably expecting Iwobi to start. He was rested in the midweek. So, uh, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm happy with what's going on right now at Arsenal, considering the resources that we have, considering all the contracts, all the all the problems that Wenger left. I think that a lot of that will be sorted out this summer. And if we can get top four, um, maybe win Europa League, then I think we'll be in a great position to go into next year. So I think these next two games are massive. I think that I want at least one win in the next two games. If we go loss-win, I think that's not that's not the end of the world. Um, but if we go draw-draw or loss-draw, then, then we might be looking at... Uh, you know, a position where we're four or five points behind and, you know, you don't want to be doing that going into the last 10 games. So, yeah, I mean, those, uh, those next two games, I think you have to mention, it's obviously at Tottenham and then home against Manchester United, um, who they just lost to in the FA Cup with, with both teams playing not their strongest sides, but like pretty damn near close to it, probably like 80% strength for both teams. So, it, that that's yeah. If you guys if you guys don't get at least one win from these next two games, uh, it's it's hard to say definitively because there's so much depending on like what Chelsea's results are and what Tottenham's other result would be. But what was a or what is right now a three point gap with Chelsea having a game in hand and easily with uh, that game in hand being home against Brighton, they'll be level on points with Arsenal. <laughs> it's you guys need to start opening up like a gap on us because I I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea folded under the pressure of like a multiple game weeks gap think like four points if you get that and you maintain that for a few weeks 
you'll probably see us like shift our focus to uh, Europa League. Um, so, I mean, Manchester United is another story entirely. But I want to get back to the uh, North London derby real quick because a, a point of interest I had from the Tottenham Chelsea game that obviously still carries over to this Arsenal game for uh, Tottenham is just how poor their wing back play has been recently. Like, I'm not just going to mention the Trippier own goal. That was a, a bad mistake and arguably an even worse mistake from Loris to uh, not let him know that he was coming off his line. But just these last few games, it's just, I don't know if, I don't know if it's a hundred percent that they just look tired, but it's like every time it, it, it's like, it's like a, a dam having multiple holes open up and Mauricio Pochettino is just trying to plug holes in this dam with the, with his fingers and toes. So like, it'll just play Trippier and Davis, a combination who have been very good for them the last couple of seasons. They'll play badly. He'll switch, play Aurier and uh, Danny Rose, or some different combination of those four. And they'll continue to play badly, or maybe they'll play well for one game, come out the next game, not be able to com- uh, continue doing it. It's There hasn't been enough consistency from those wide positions, and they get all of their width from those players. Everyone else in that team is looking to make runs in the half spaces and inside. So if they don't get good wing play from their fullback uh, positions, the kind of fullback play that like Liverpool, for instance, are getting right now, then they're in trouble, and they're kind of a one-dimensional team. And we've seen that in these last two losses. They they, they haven't really looked like they've been able to like play out from uh, from even their own half. It's they've been pressed aggressively and haven't been able to figure them out. Now so. on form and on like momentum, obviously I, I think Arsenal are favorites in this game. Now because they're away from home, I think it's it makes it a much more even affair. But you know Arsenal are on the up. Tottenham have been on the down. Um, yeah, but that, that's the reason. To, I think that's the reason why you have to think Tottenham are going to have some kind of bounce back. Like Tottenham aren't just going to sit there and let Arsenal walk into Wembley and beat them. You know, after all, having already lost to Chelsea, there's going to be a reaction from Tottenham, and when we we see yeah, them motivated, I mean, and I'm sure they're they're going to they're, they're going to come out like it's a cup final and to to, to win it. You know, because they they can't. If they lose again here, then you know they they might even be in danger in the Champions League, right? Like. If they lose three in a row, then you could see them possibly throwing away a, a three-goal lead in Dortmund. Just from their confidence Dortmund, being so. shot? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. And if they take their focus off of it to rest players for the Premier League game, uh, I don't know if Pochettino would do that, but you know, it's certainly a possibility. Um, Andrew has a 2-2 draw. I, I'd be a fan of that. I would love it if you guys drew. It, with uh, United and uh, Chelsea playing against Southampton and Fulham, <laughs> I would say two games that they both should be winning. Uh if Tottenham and Arsenal draw this game, like I, I would say, that's that that has the same effect as a loss for both these teams. I think both teams need to win it, and they know that. So I, I think it sets it up perfectly to be a really exciting game. Um, so I, I, I've got two one Tottenham, and I know you said two uh, one Arsenal, right? Or did you not mention your score prediction yet? Yeah, I did. I said it earlier. I said two one Arsenal. Okay, sounds good. Uh, we'll jump now to uh, Bournemouth hosting Manchester City Saturday at ten a.m. Andrew's got a three one win. I've got a 3-0 win, and uh, Javier, you're jumping on the same boat as Andrew, picking Manchester City to win 3-1 away from home. Uh, Bournemouth, obviously, pretty, uh, still yeah, suffering some bad injuries. Uh, yeah, I just without Callum Wilson, you can't see them getting like a big result against against like a good team, right? So, I think we all got multiple it's, it's not like, just the multiple like goal wins. Jefferson Lerma as well in midfield. David Brooks has been out for a while. He just came back. Yeah, was Brooks on the bench as well. For Arsenal Brooks game. as well. Yeah. It, they, they need to they need to get healthy and get to that forty point mark and just sort of keep uh, main or what do you call it guarantee their safety. They're safe for sure, but just Eddie Howe's even said as recently as last week that he never thinks he's safe until he gets that forty point mark, like most managers. So uh, 
Manchester City should probably take business, take care of business in that one. Let's jump to Brighton hosting Huddersfield, who uh, just came off their first win in 14 Premier League games, beating uh, Wolves 1-0 in midweek from a Steve Mounier, like, 91st-minute garbage-time goal. Uh, big win for Jan Sievert. Uh, he'll now go to Brighton, uh, where Brighton aren't in the best of form themselves, but they have a good home record. Andrew has a 2-0 win for Brighton. I've got a 2-1 win for Brighton. And uh, Javier has a 1-0 win for Brighton, maintaining their uh, good home form against the bottom sides this season. Burnley will host Crystal Palace at 10 a.m. Andrew's got a 1-1 draw. I've got a 2-2 draw. And Javier's got a 2-1 win for Burnley. A little bit controversial here. I feel like you guys think it's going to be a draw. I, I've changed my mind on Burnley. Um I kind of said it in the pod last week where I was really impressed with the way Sean Dyche managed the game against Tottenham and how, you know, when it was when it was drawn, he, he went for the win. And that just shows me that this is a guy who, number one, he's definitely not getting relegated. Number two, you know, he's he's got his mojo back. He's got his players back. Um, and defensively, they look a threat again. Like they have their, like, you know, defense defensive powers back Heaton is 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 on form again and yeah Dude, it happened uh, as soon Palace, as he came back as soon as right, he got happened put as soon back as he came lineup, back in the time they it turned like into they're, a good defensive back. team again right i mean he's their captain he's their leader like on the pitch so he it definitely makes a big difference when he's when he's like in form playing for them so. what does that say about joe hart yeah. though joe hart's done he used to go to the championship or go to mls or something <laughs> yeah he definitely needs to get <laughs> he's, out he's, there. he's done they have the three england age. goalkeepers well, not the three England goalkeepers. They have three English goalkeepers. <laughs> Pope. No, the three that that, that are, don't they have the three that went to the World Cup? Heaton. No. Um, Pickford. Yeah. Pickford went to the World Cup. Oh, Pickford. You're right. You're right. Yeah, they have they have Pope, Heaton, and Hart. I don't think Hart went to the World Cup. He's yeah, he hasn't been called up for England in a while. Um, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I don't disagree. I could see Burnley definitely winning this game. I've just been really impressed with uh, Palace, specifically away from home uh, recently. That four-one win at Leicester was their their counterattacking has been electric. Um, so I'm a I'm a believer in Roy Hodgson for the rest of the season with this revamped front line. Uh, let's jump to the Man United Southampton game Saturday at 10 a.m. Andrew's got a two-one win for United. I've got a two-nil win for United, and uh, Javier has a three-one win for Manchester United. I, I do just want to mention. United's 3-1 win at Crystal Palace in midweek. That was a gritty one. They, they went into that game with uh, no Marcus Rashford starting, no Martial at all. Um, they started with Lukaku, Alexis Sanchez, Diego Dalot played in midfield. Fred got his first uh, appearance for a while because Matic and Herrera got injured in that Liverpool game. It was a really weak inside, and they controlled the game really, really well. So I think that was a really big step for uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to take. You can talk about them beating uh, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge or getting the draw with Liverpool when those injuries came in, uh, came about and that being impressive. But to follow that up by not dropping points at a, a, a team in Crystal Palace that is pushing to sort of solidify their place in the Premier League for next season, they're not like completely safe from relegation. They, they are trying to get good results, especially at home. They, they probably thought themselves they could see an opportunity to, to, to finally beat Manchester United for the first time in the Premier League, Eric's. They've never done it in 19 meetings. Uh, and United just sort of dispatched them like very, I don't want to say easily because they got it back to 2-1, but uh, once Ashley Young scored to make it 3-1 with like five or 10 minutes to go, you just knew it was completely over. And yeah, if, if they can get Lukaku scoring goals, eight, eight, eight straight away wins for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, record breaking. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's one more that's key say. Super they're, impressive. They're on a very impressive super, run right super now. Super impressive. Because th- this was one of the games that after that Liverpool result, I did think with all these injuries, maybe they slip up and even draw at Palace. And no, it didn't happen. So once again, United. Andrew has winning 2-1. I've got United winning 2-0. And Javier's got 3-1, Manchester United. The last of the 10 a.m. games will be Wolves hosting Cardiff City. Uh, Andrew's got a 2-0 win for Wolves. I've got a 3-0 win. And Javier's got a 2-0 win. Wolves are just coming off a loss to Huddersfield that I just mentioned a uh, few minutes ago. Shock results. I know it was away from home. Uh, John Smith Stadium isn't like the easiest place to go to, I guess, for some of these Premier League teams. These mid-table teams, I guess. But are you worried about them at all with that result, or you just kind of think that's just like a natural nah. hiccup that occurs? They, they've been electric at home. I don't. I don't see Cardiff having any hope at home. I also see them kind of having that bounce back effect where they're definitely going to go out and 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 you know. Should I captain Raul Jimenez in fantasy this weekend? I've thought about it. I definitely thought about <laughs> I'm it. I'm not doing it. Have you ever Have you ever watched a Wolves game when when he's playing for you in fantasy? Because it's, oh, I'm sure it's infuriating. It's so infuriating. But if there's one game to captain him, this may be it. I mean, he always does something. He always gets like at least an assist and probably scores. But he has he takes penalties he miss, now. He misses at least like three or four chances a game that you're just like score two of those. Come on. But uh, yeah, they shouldn't struggle too much with Cardiff at home this weekend. Uh, West Ham will host Newcastle in the Saturday. 12.30 p.m. game here in the States. Andrew's got a 2-1 win for West Ham. I've got a 1-1 draw. And Javier, you also have a 1-1 draw. These are two teams that like actually have pretty big fan bases. Uh, West Ham and Newcastle in the United States. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say Newcastle? this is a bad game to have at this slot, right? West Ham and Newcastle like, have big U.S. fan bases? Uh, outside of the top six, I'd say those are the two teams. Them and Everton. I was going to say Fulham because of the McBride-Dempsey years. There's a lot of Americans, I think, that like, follow Fulham. Never mind. <laughs> Tim Ream I, right I don't now. really see many Fulham. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really see many Fulham. I think it's because they went down and everything. Maybe for like a bunch of fans just stopped following them and jumped on, like, you know, the uh, the other. The, I, I, I just, those are the, the they're a bunch of fair weather big fans, teams in England. You're saying they're a bunch of fair weather fans. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, but yeah, I think I think this game is, I, I, I think it's going to be hard to call. Um, like you said, I, I have one one. Uh, yeah, you've also got one one, and, and Anders got a West Ham win, which they they haven't had many great results of late. Um, I think did they win last week? I think they did, right? Uh, no, they lost to Manchester City, but uh, on the on the weekend this past weekend they beat Fulham three uh, one on Friday night. Right, they beat. So they have a, they, have they a win didn't look recently. bad against City. They only lost one nil to a penalty. So you, you got to give them some. It was some, an admirable performance. Yeah, they're they're not like yeah, a team admirable in, performance. And I I could definitely see uh, what Andrew's saying here uh, being true, and um, and West Ham getting a win. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm not not uh, and it looks like Newcastle are pretty close to safe, right? Uh, yeah, but not not quite. You know, there's still quite, there's still ten games to go. You know, you can't. You yeah, can't but they're but they're having they're they're on now. like a really good run in these last couple months. That's yeah, because they pulled them away from. They the did exactly. They've done exactly what they did last season, where they kind of used their home form to sort of boost their confidence and carry that into away games, where they're able to get draws in a lot of these away games that they weren't necessarily picking up points in in the first half of the season. So it's not unexpected from Newcastle. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that they will be safe. So this this makes for an interesting one because West Ham are in 10th. 
in the in the middle of that busy pack of mid-table teams. They're going to want to improve their position. And frankly, I just chose 1-1 because I have no idea how either of these teams are going to play week to week, especially Newcastle away from home. I don't know what I'm getting out of them. So it's, uh, it's a difficult, difficult one to call, but I'll, I'll stick with 1-1. Andrew again has 2-1 West Ham and Javier also has 1-1. Let's jump to the first of the solid slate of Sunday games. I'm just going to say it. This is a good slate. Starting with Sunday at 7 a.m. I mean, it's an okay slate. It's, it's, it's just, I'm just I'm just saying. I, I want to say it's underrated. You know, you get the Sundays where it's like two like heavy hitter games in a row. I mean, and those Watford, are Watford Leicester. Are you the, are you waking up at seven a.m. for that guy? Absolutely, I don't think so. I'm waking up at seven a.m. for Watford Leicester. Absolutely, Brendan Rodgers' first game, Javier. I guarantee we you, said you it. will not be we awake said for it that. On the pod, we said it on the pod two days ago. Okay, guys, I will Brendan let you know Rogers. if he's awake for that because I will be awake. But I guarantee you that Alex will not be awake for that. I'll be awake for that. I'll, I'll uh, yeah. Seven. I want to see uh, Brendan Rogers trot I'm out. I'm calling you out right now. I yeah, am, please I'm gonna, do. Please do. I don't care. Waking up at sure. 7 a.m. isn't that big of a deal to me anymore. You know, I used to really? like. On a Sunday. Yeah. On a Sunday. Yeah. I'll believe it when I see yeah, it. Okay. We'll see. I have to see the new Brendan Rogers edition of Lester. It's only been a couple days. We predicted it here on this podcast. Uh, Maybe not predict, that might be a bit strong of a word, but we mentioned that the the reports were that Brendan Rodgers or Leicester City were interested in uh, taking Brendan Rodgers away from Celtic. But we suspected that that wouldn't happen until the summer because, of course, until yesterday, Brendan Rodgers was under contract at Celtic and was on his way to his third straight treble. Uh, in, and according in the to League. the Celtic fans, uh, he'd been very adamant this last month that he wasn't going to leave. Yeah, so it is he a said, little bit shitty he, that he, he just he, left like he that. He said as recently as, I want to say, two or three months ago that his dream was to win the third straight treble, or as they call it, the treble treble in uh, in Scotland with Celtic. And Celtic are on their way to a uh, unprecedented run to make, I think it's, I think they're at seven straight titles now, but they're trying to get to 10. 10 would be like the new Scottish record for consecutive titles. So he even mentioned trying to stay there and win, get them to their 10th uh, consecutive title in a row. And I mean, obviously he wasn't going to stay there that much longer, but uh, to leave mid-season, it's shitty, but I kind of like the move for Leicester. I think it's good. I think it's similar to Liverpool getting clopped mid-season in that uh, 15-16 season where, you know, they weren't really... They were in contention for some trophies. I think they lost in the Carabao Cup final to City, and they lost, or the League Cup final, whatever it was called then. Uh, they lost in the Europa League final to Sevilla after beating United and Dortmund. They challenged a bit, but uh, it was more of like a building season towards yeah, Unai future Unai beat there. Yes, Unai. he did. Unai, king of Europa League. King of Europa League. King Unai, of the Europa. Right? Yeah. <laughs> many, many more trophies than Jurgen Klopp. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Klopp actually has some trophies in yeah, his, got, in his cabinet. Yeah, he's got a decent tro- uh, trophy cabinet. Unlike, unlike Maurizio Sari. Javier, are we, we are, are talking we about Watford-Leicester right now. We're talking about Watford-Leicester. Okay, all right. We're talking I mean, about we're Brendan Rodgers leaving okay, Celtic. We'll, we'll be there soon. We'll be there soon. Mid-season, in February, in the middle of a title push. I mean, they're, they're going to win the title. It's not up for debate. But leaving a club in the middle of your, your contract to go to, the, to, go to Leicester... I think it's a great move for for both Brent Rogers and Lester. I think he could accomplish a lot of great things there, and I think that was the adequate like next step for him if he wants to end up at one of like the big six clubs. I don't think you can make the jump from Celtic back up to like a Chelsea or a Tottenham or maybe even like an Arsenal. 
because uh, I don't think we'd be interested in Celtics manager. Well, like that's not that difficult of a job. Most managers can probably go there and throw together a team that at least wins the title. So for him to go to Leicester, who has like a nice young, and I want to say a team that's ready to completely adjust to like the attacking, expansive style that Rodgers is going to bring in. I think that, I think they've done a really good job here to spend three or four million right now to to lock him up. And by the start of next season, they'll be ahead of the game compared to a lot of their rivals. I, I think. Are you, are you as bullish on the move as I am? Like I know I was, I was uh, soft on Puel these sure last few days, but I think it's going to work. I out. think Rogers is a good, uh, it's a good upgrade. I mean, it's possible that if you give him the resources that Liverpool gave him, which Leicester seemed to have at least some sort of uh, money, they gave Puel a lot of money, and it seems like they've given every manager at least you know. 80 to 100 million to spend. So if they if they've given Brendan Rodgers some sort of similar promises then yeah, I don't I don't see a reason why he can't do something similar to what he did at Liverpool which was, you know, build something over two or three years where eventually maybe they're, you know, fighting for top 4. I think he's the type of manager that could push them to that that type of level. I don't I I obviously don't think he could, they could win the title or anything with him, right. but I don't think anyone's saying that. But, yeah, possibly push for top four in, in two or three years' time. I think that'd be a reasonable goal with someone like a Brendan Rodgers. Okay, as for this game, did we mention the score predictions yet? No, I don't think so. We can uh, run through them now. Uh, Watford, Leicester, Andrew's got 1-1. I've got a 2-2. I think it's going to be a really open attacking game. Really looking forward to it. Uh, and then Javier, you've got 2-1, right? Yeah, 2-1 Leicester. Uh, I have faith in, in Rodgers' first game here. I think they get a new manager bump. And I think Watford, um, after that spanking that they uh, – we predicted that they were going to have that reverse spanking. Remember, we were like, oh, they you know they just won 5-1. They, they're definitely going to go lose like four or five yep. goals now. And, yeah, of course they did. So I, I've yeah, had I Watford figured gonna, out for a while. Uh, you know, capitulate again here and uh, – let Brendan Rodgers have a nice start to his uh, to his Leicester career. So yeah, that's why I got two one two one Leicester. Okay, let's move on to the West London derby Sunday nine oh five a.m. Chelsea traveling to Craven Cottage for the first time. Oh, I have one more note, one more thing to say about that last game. Actually, really, wow. yes, Watford. I think Watford really struggle on wingers. You have your Watford take to deliver right now. Yes, on te- <laughs> are you like, sure you don't want to save have- the Watford take for like? Another time, like do you think? Well, just like do you think the, anything's going to happen to change that t- like that view in this game? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm try- not trying to be critical. I'm just saying, like, just really, really quick, pacey wingers and like fullbacks. I think Watford, Watford, like like attacking with their fullbacks and Halabas and like you know Cathcart or whoever they have, Kiko Femina, you know, Darryl as Yanma. their fullback. <laughs> Yeah, Daryl Yadmat, they're all like wingers and they love attacking. Yeah. So I think when they're playing against like fullbacks or uh, wingers that are like, you know, uh, that like dribbling and that are really pacey, I think Watford struggle a ton. And uh, that's why I think Leicester like stylistically just have a good matchup against Watford. Yeah. Um, I-, I think you'd say something. Yeah, so it wasn't that bad. Of I think take, you could Alex. say something similar of, of both teams. You know, they're, they're, they're both trying to get at you with not only their pacey outside players. But like, I think Ben Chilwell is like, he's a good enough fullback where like he can attack and he, you know he'll track back too, right? Uh, I don't think the same of the Watford fullbacks. And yeah, like but, Danny Simpson, like, yeah, he's not great. But, but a lot of times... But Ricardo Pereira is pretty good. A lot of times just in the nature of bombing forward to try and attack, 
maybe not by any fault of your own, you'll you'll be caught too far up the field. And it won't be like your fault, like one of your own players gave the ball away while you were high up the field. It would just be impossible for you to get back, you know? So I agree with you. Chilwell is like, he's more, like he's more, or he's less susceptible to not tracking back like uh, the Watford players are that you mentioned. And I think you could say the same of uh, Pereira uh, what's his name? on the uh, on the right. Yeah, I think Pereira's more like right back. a... Holabas and Jan Mat in that definitely better. he's almost more of a winger. Yeah, he's definitely better. They play him at right wing. Better than they, play him, they play him at white. But that's right why I think that's why amount. I think that they're going to struggle. They're just going to be completely outmatched on the wings. And Damari Gray, I think Ianacho is going to be uh, a big figure for Brendan Rodgers. I think that's going to be a good move, especially for him. So I think that's the one player that I'm very curious to see if he can be restored into any type of form uh, under a more attacking manager. Okay. Well, uh, let's actually jump forward to the West London Derby now. Fulham, as I said, hosting Chelsea Sunday, 9.05 a.m. at Craven Cottage. It's the first time Chelsea have gone to Craven Cottage in God knows how long, 2013? Is that the last time they were in the Premier League? 2012? I can't remember. It was never a ground that we destroyed Fulham at, but Fulham were a much more pragmatic side back in those days. You know, they weren't... They weren't as open defensively, and they weren't as shit as they are now. I'm fully expecting a Chelsea. They did have Zoltan Guerra and Bobby Zamora up front, so they were pretty shit. No, I mean, they got to the Europa League final in what year was that, 2010? Right, Clint Dempsey. Yeah, he he had something to do with that. Yeah. And somehow Bobby Zamora scored a brace against Juventus. No one knows how that happened, guys, but... Roy the boy, that's how. how. Roy the boy and his magic toys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, Fulham are not nearly as good now, like you were saying, I, and we all have dude, going pretty into this season win for Chelsea here. I was still thinking of like Fulham, like the old Fulham, where like we would beat them at home usually, and then in the away game at Fulham, most of the time we'd win, but at like one in three, they or one in two, they would come out just super defensive, impossible to break down, and would frustrate the hell out of us, and we would barely win or end up drawing or losing. I don't think there's any danger of that right now. Uh, it should be mentioned that Fulham parted ways with Claudio Ranieri, who they, of course, uh, brought in in the middle of the season to replace their original manager, Slavisa Jakanovic. Uh, he's now gone. Uh, he's you, you could hear the uh, Fulham fans on the, the midweek game against Southampton when they lost 2-0, chanting that you don't know what you're doing. So to lose the Fulham fans, is it's tough. They're a very mild-mannered bunch. They're not like super energetic they're not like a super passionate fan base they're very measured and uh laid back so for them to be completely fed up with you uh after only like what is it like 13 games 10 13 games that Ranieri's been at the helm it's uh it's tough and I don't think it's entirely his fault I think uh the the, the ownership there uh Shad Khan and his son Tony Khan have just done a terrible job of throwing money at the wall and hoping something sticks and nothing's really stuck, to be honest. Like, what? Which one of their signings? I guess Mitrovic, you could say, but he was already there from last season, from a from a loan from last season. Which one of their signings would you say has like panned out? Has been and has been a good signing? Uh, Callum Chambers on loan. Okay, yeah, I would actually take that. I mean, he's been good, not great, but all the uh, ones that you wanted. That, um, Sari been disappointing. Lamarchand terrible. Sari's been bad. Schuler's been bad. Mawson uh, injured. Babel hasn't scored yet. Babel scored. He scored in the first or second minute against West Ham last week. Oh right, but he's been not good. Dude, he's played um, well. He's been unlucky. I actually think he's like he's still trying. At least there's so many of their players that you can just tell they just they don't care. 
they're just going to demand a transfer as soon as like Fulham get relegated. They probably have some kind of clause where they can just say, all right, I'm off. I don't want to play in the championship. This, this team is it's sinking fast, which is why I think Chelsea absolutely destroy them. I think Gonzalo Higuain does what I said he was going to do against poor opposition this uh, the second half of the season. I think he grabs a goal or maybe even two or three. I think against poor opposition, he's going to have a field day. Uh, and I would even go as far as to say, look out for a cheeky Callum Hudson-Odoi start. Look out for it. No? You don't, you What's don't more likely is te- Pedro tears their ass up like he did uh, Manchester. Ah, Pedro uh, just played the full the 90 weekend. against Man City. Maybe like William would start. That that's that would probably happen. But All right. But we all have comfortable wins. Andrew has 3-0 win. Alex, you got a 4-1 win. I have a 3-1 win. And there's not much to say here. I thought you were like, excited. I thought you were excited for the Chelsea segment, Javier. You can shut up about it earlier. Talking about how Maurizio Sarri has zero trophies. I mean, here. yeah, I mean, that's going to be true at the end of the season, too. God, so you're we such a troll. That. You've already you already lost your first final. You're going to lose another one to Arsenal later on in the Europa League. So you heard it here first, boys. God. If we play in the Europa League, Arsenal are definitely winning that matchup. I, I would be surprised if we got to the final of the Europa League, to be honest with you. I mean, it all depends how I, our I league I would be surprised goes. if Europa rigged it so that, like, Arsenal and Chelsea meet in the final. Or, like, no, set it up so. so that it's possible for us to meet in the final. I think they would set up Napoli-Chelsea before they set up Arsenal-Chelsea. Like, we've seen Arsenal-Chelsea. Right, they're, they're going to set up Sevilla-Arsenal, Napoli-Chelsea. In the semifinal? In the semis, yeah. yes. That'd be fun. And then they're going to set up, and then, yeah, and then Arsenal-Chelsea in the final. That's what's going to make the most money. That's going to be the best storyline. So that's probably how they're going to rig it. And I would take I would take a two uh, a two leg game with you guys. That'd be fun. <laughs> Stanford Bridge one Thursday night, the very next Thursday night, uh, the Emirates. That'd be fun. You would rather see that than the uh, than the yeah. I'd rather the one the leg, final, right? the like one playoff game because like we always beat you in the one playoff game. You so, beat like, us in the Carabao legs, Cup semifinal. You guys, you guys like you guys historically have had better luck with uh, against us over two legs. So I, I'd prefer to play you in a final. Than to play you over two legs. All I'll say about if you play us in a final, uh, you don't want that. I think you should you should be wanting to play us earlier in the competition before we like figure our shit out for real. Because by the end of the season, fingers crossed, I'm hoping that we're really reaching our stride. But that's enough of the Europa League talk. As, so, uh, as I'm sure everyone's like riveted by it. Let's move on to the Merseyside Derby Sunday at 11:15. Everton hosting Liverpool. Both teams coming off a uh, great results, I'll say. Everton were in a pretty bad run of form, but rebounded in midweek at Cardiff to win 3-0. Uh, two goals from Gilfie Sigurdsson. And uh, Liverpool, as I mentioned, beat Watford 5-0 at Anfield this midweek. Their biggest win of the season. Two goals for Sadio Mane. Two goals for Virgil van Dijk. Three assists for Trent Alexander-Arnold. Two assists for Andy Robertson. Really getting it done on that end of the field. We've gotten a couple of clean sheets. We're all favoring Liverpool. But Everton made it a tough game for them back in, uh, was it November? Back in December at Anfield. We obviously took the crazy 90th minute goal from Divock Origi that came off the crossbar uh, for Liverpool to win that one. You'd imagine away at Goodison Park, that would be a more difficult task, no? Yeah, I don't really see it. Um, I just feel like Liverpool have been, first of all, defensively, they've just been, they've been monstrous. Still have only conceded 15 goals this season. Um, It looks like they're back on the defensive grind. They have their fullbacks healthy again. And um, the only, the only thing that I would factor and that I would think that 
could be a problem for them is, is this Champions League that's you know starting up now. Um, they don't, I don't think they play again, next week, and they they don't play next week. They play the week afterward. No, because they yeah, because they just they just play in the Champions League. I'll double check that. Keep going. But yeah, I mean, I think until that's a factor again, um, I think that they're gonna do well in the Premier League, and yeah, I think that this is you know I I think it's gonna be a close game. I don't think it's gonna be like a blowout for Liverpool. I think you know it might be one one at some point, and then Liverpool pull away. But I think in the end, it'll be it'll be pretty comfortable for them, and they're gonna win three one. So I have three one Liverpool. Yeah, so Liverpool don't play Bayern Munich again until March thirteenth. So they'll have uh, this following week off uh, after they play Everton in the Premier League. I've I've got a two one win for Liverpool. I don't see it being super easy. I see it being similar to that Man City Everton game from uh, a few weeks ago, where Man City uh, went there in midweek before I think they played Liverpool on the weekend. We know they played Chelsea on the weekend, and they uh, and they beat us six 0 that weekend. But the midweek before, they went to Everton, beat them two 0 uh, with goals at the end of both halves. I'm I'm not super in love with how Marco Silva's got Everton playing right now. You know, the three 0 win against Cardiff is, you know, it's it's a good glimmer of hope. But I don't see them being able to turn around and and produce like a great performance against a way tougher team right after that, despite the confidence boost. It's, uh, it's it's too many problems at the back. The set pieces, we, we've just seen Liverpool absolutely murder Watford off of multiple set pieces and multiple well-timed and uh, driven balls into the box from their, their wide fullbacks. It's it's stylistically, if you just look at those two, those factors, like it's not really working in Everton's favor. Um, I just think the Goodison Park factor, the Merseyside Derby factor, the the night game factor, being at like five o'clock on a Sunday evening, everyone in England watching, I, I think that galvanizes Everton to a degree to maybe get one back when they're down two nil and make it nervy for the last few minutes. Uh, but Andrew has what looks like a bit more of a uh, solid two nil victory for Liverpool away from home uh, to be expected from Andrew. That's uh, I wouldn't expect anything less from him. So before we sign off, let's check on our score predictions table uh this midweek we posted our picks on instagram and uh, javier and andrew each got one game right javier predicted the 2-1 lester win correctly and andrew had the 2-0 southampton win over fulham correct uh so they both go up to 14 points uh, tied in first and i'm still sitting in second or i guess third on 12 so i've got some work to make up uh so uh javier Thanks for being on again this week. Uh, we'll be hanging out this weekend, watching the games on Saturday. Uh, I, I would say good luck, but I want you guys to draw. So uh, let's, hope, let's hope you. You want us to win. Let's Alex. hope you guys both drop you points. Want to, no, you no, want no. to send me no, that, no. that that bet money? I want. That we I want had. the double the double loss uh, with both of you guys feeling like you lost the game. You were ready to send me that bet money. I told you if Tottenham had scored if you first lost this weekend. No, I told you yeah. if Tottenham scored first in the game, I was going to send you. But they didn't. We're fine. <laughs> you got lucky. It, no, no, no. Insert. Have you ever seen hit the ball? Have you ever seen have you ever seen the meme of uh that uh what's the guy's name in The Simpsons? He's like the 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 bartender in The Simpsons turning to like a noose that's hanging and he just goes, Ha, not today, old friend. <laughs> yes, yeah, I have seen that. That's nice. The constant life of a Chelsea fan. Every time we get a good result, you just turn to the noose on the door on the door frame and go, Not today. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this podcast was brought to you by my dog, the aptly named Chelsea. Uh, she's been chilling with me the whole time. If you've heard any dog noises, you can blame her for that. Uh, so for Javier, for Chelsea, for myself, 
Signing off on the Ghost Call podcast, you can follow us on social media at Andrew Passaro, at JavierRev9, and at ASMOS92, also at Ghost Call Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Go ahead and head over to the iTunes page to uh, rate, review, subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, I hope you have. Ratings and reviews help our exposure and uh, help new listeners find the pod. So we hope you guys help us grow the pod. And until next time, 